Whose are these yours? They look good. I don't know. They look good. I just don't want to hurt them. There you go. Thanks. No problem. All right, guys. How are you doing this morning? Good? Great. So today we get to talk about intellectual intimacy, the topic that you think about every day. I know. It's just on your mind. So what is intellectual intimacy, and when do those two words actually even go together? Like, uh, that's not something that is a phrase that I would even think about a lot. They're not commonly found together, but Gary Chapman, who's the author of this book we've been going through, uh, says this is what intellectual intimacy is. It's a sense of closeness that develops between a couple who's learned to share their thoughts freely with each other's world of thought to gain understanding. And honestly, um, where do you think that happens in a relationship, or when does that normally happen in a relationship? Early on, right? So when you're getting to know someone, uh, you want to know a lot about them. You're asking a lot of questions. If you're married or in a relationship, think back to the very beginning. Think back to those first dates, those first conversations, and you're trying to find out, is this someone who I'd like to spend a lot of time with? Is this someone who thinks like I do? I'm a Cowboys fan. They like the Eagles. Non-starter. It's over. Like, you know, before it even started, right? It's done. I mean, right. So, Republican, Democrat, Coke, Pepsi. I mean, what's going on here? Kids, no kids. What were her big dreams for her life? Did she share those things? What did she want out of life? What did you want out of life? Did you guys talk about the future? I bet you did. You know, you wouldn't have chosen to be in a relationship with the person you're with today if you hadn't got to know them on this deep intellectual level, if you hadn't shared intimately with them. But over time, guess what happens? It wanes. Just like the pictures of, of uh, me, I look at the pictures of me when I was younger, and gravity uh, has taken its toll. My body is not exactly like it used to be. People are like, you actually were an athlete? I'm like, I know, crazy. Um, but, you know, over time, things wane. If we don't put the work and the effort into it, things change over time. Over, over the years, you can assume that you know pretty much everything your spouse believes, right? So you put a topic up there, and you can almost say, I, I know what she would think about that. I, you know, even in any relationship can be that way with Pastor Marty. Part of my job is to kind of know that, right? To sort of know when a topic gets brought up, I could kind of think this is probably what Pastor Marty would think. But it's not about the broad sense. It's about the details. Just because you know your wife is, has holds uh, similar views to you doesn't mean you know exactly what she's thinking or she doesn't want to chime in and share her thoughts about a situation. It reminds me of when I was younger, some advice my dad used to give me. Uh, he gave me all sorts of advice, and some was uh, not so great, but uh, some of it was really good. And one of the things he used to tell me when I started having girlfriends for the very first time, and so my 13-year-old, uh, just to share this with you, about a month ago, I have a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 13-year-old. So I was at church uh, on a Sunday morning, and somebody said, hey, I uh, heard you're, you got a, a dating relationship happening, and I'm like, in, in your household, I'm like, no, no, pretty sure, no, pretty sure, no. I pretty much know what's going on. He's like, no, yeah, totally. I was having breakfast with the guy. He used to be a fighter pilot, blah, blah, blah. And he starts sharing how his daughter's dating one of the pastor's sons at BCC. I'm thinking, Parker isn't even interested in girls, I don't think. And he's like, no, I was talking. And basically, he starts sharing. And, and I thought it was Pastor Michael's uh, 
uh, son until he started saying things that sounded really weird about how, how she's only 12. <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, who's this person? He said, it's Marshall. And I'm like, There's, this, is, this can't even be. This is no way. This is some misunderstanding. So we get home from church, and I said, hey, Marshall, is there something you want to share with me? I'm good, no. I said, there's nothing going on, you know, like in relationships. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, so tell me about uh, this Jessica girl. And he got really funny look on his face. And he's like, well, and I'm like just mumbling. And I'm like, what is going on? So apparently he has a girlfriend, um, and they're dating, but they don't go anywhere. Uh, so I'm not sure even what that means. But, but he is interested in girls, and, and that's, a, that's a good thing. It's a natural thing. And I said, you know, let me just tell you something, because he wants to treat her a certain way. I said, you need to treat her with a high level of respect, and you need to, you know, be nice to her and kind to her. But just know, this is what my dad told me, whatever, whatever it took to catch her is what it takes to keep her. What it took to catch her is what it takes to keep her. So if you, my dad would tell me this. I didn't have a lot of money. I had a job from the time I was 15 years old. I was mowing grass when I was 12. And, and I, so I, if I wanted nice clothes, I had to buy them, you know, if, that kind of stuff. So, but he said, listen, if you want to take your girl out to these fancy restaurants, because you think that's what's going to impress her, you're setting a precedent. You're setting expectations. Interesting, okay. If you think watching chick flicks with her is going to woo her and win her heart, then get ready. You're going to have a lifetime of chick flicks, right? If she likes shoulder rubs, then, man, your hands better be strong. If you brush her hair, whatever it is, what it took to catch her is what it takes to keep her. And, you know, when you're getting to know your spouse, your wife today, when you were getting to know her and you were pouring time into her life and you were asking her all sorts of questions and making her feel super important and bringing her into your work and sharing all the exciting things that were happening in your life, guess what? There's an expectation today. And so if, if things have changed, your circumstances have changed, and that expectation is still there today. She still wants to be brought in intellectually into your relationship. So all of us invested in knowing our wives and their thoughts and feelings early on, and like it or not, there's still that expectation today. Okay. Why? What happens? Um, let me skip through these. What happens if we don't make this a priority? It's very simple. Just two words. Nothing good. Nothing good comes out of you neglecting intellectual intimacy in your life, in your marriage. Let me give you a couple scenarios. Scenario number one, maybe these sound familiar to you or somebody you know. A wife um, works so her husband can go through school, right? Goes through grad school or wants to be a doctor, wants to better himself for the family too, right? I mean, these all start for the family. Like, they've planned this together. Here's our, here's our scenario. We're going to get married. I'm going to work the job. That's kind of the grind. You're going to go to grad school. You're going to get that degree. You're going to put us on this plane. And then he is entering into a whole new world. He's entering into an intellectual world. She's at home. Maybe she's got some kids. She's trying to make it happen and make it go. And then they grow apart because they're in different worlds now. And then not that long after he finishes school, they aren't together anymore. Their marriage is also finished. Or maybe this scenario, the wife has been a stay-at-home mom, and then now she's at a time saying, you know what, the kid's been driving me crazy for so many years, I want to go back to work. And so she's re-entering the workforce. Happens a lot. 
And she's excited. She's making new friends. She actually has friends who are adults again, and she wants to talk about that. So she comes home, and she wants to share. But the truth is, man, you're tired. Like, your life is no less busy than it already was. You've still got all the things and the drain and the pull from your job. And so you really don't want to know. I mean, part of you kind of wants to know, but not enough to really give a lot of effort, right? Have you ever been there where you're like, sounds interesting, but I'm really tired, or it sounds interesting, but I'd like to watch the news, or I'd like to check this email, or there's this game on, or whatever. And so over time, you grow apart. And then these marriages end, and then either a spouse is blamed, right, or that person was so selfish, how, how they thought of themselves only, or the scenario was blamed, or grad school was blamed, or going back to work is evil, or all these things. But the truth is, it's just a breakdown in communication. What really happened is they stopped sharing their lives together. So what does lack of intellectual in intimacy look like? I'm glad you asked, and I want to watch this clip with you. Do you realize this is the first time we've been alone for years? <laughs> we got eight whole days ahead of us. Oh, my. <laughs> I feel like I did on our honeymoon, all goose pimply. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I could hardly find you behind all them bumps. <laughs> Archie, do you like being alone with me? Certainly I like being alone with you, Edith. Turn on the TV. <laughs> TV. We don't talk enough. You talk enough, Edith. <laughs> Archie? Yeah? I miss the kids. They just left, Edith. I don't miss them. We're gonna have a beautiful, peaceful week here without them. They're doing what they want to do. We can do what we want to do. We got a little privacy now. We can do a lot of things we couldn't do with the kids hanging around. Yeah. Like what? Edith, like, uh, like uh, anything you want to name. Like, uh, for instance, we can get into the toilet whenever we want. Oh, Archie. I know. Let's put on a record and dance. What? Yeah. The other day I found our old copy of Glenn Miller's Moonlight Serenade. Oh, Remember how we used to dance to that? Oh, we come on, huh? Remember how you used to hold me in your arms mm. and I used to snuggle up against your cheek? Oh, come on. Look out, he did your tear in the face for you. Come on, would you? Rage. Even Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers don't dance together no more. Now turn that thing off. Turn it off. Now come on, sit down over here and be nice and quiet. Are you want part of the paper? Archie, I'm scared. You're scared of what? Uh, what if the kids do leave permanent? Because that's when marriages fall apart. 
The husband and wife are left alone, and, and all of a sudden, and they don't know each other no more. They kind of drifted apart. They got nothing in common. Edith, where do you get all this crapola? <laughs> well, I heard it on television from Dr. Joyce Brothers. Oh, <laughs> YouTube, the, the entire episode's on there. It's pretty amazing. Um, that clip illustrates what years of neglecting your relationship and emotionally and connecting intellectually, uh, what it results in, a shallow marriage. But how do we make things better? How can we foster better intellectual intimacy so we don't end up like that? Number one, man, we need to listen. We need to listen to our wives. They call it the art of listening for a reason, because not everybody's good at it. It takes work. You know, if we all just said, hey, we're going to make some pottery today, it'd be sad. Like, I wouldn't want to do a, an exhibit of it, probably. There might be a few of you who know how to do it, but it's, if it's art, then it takes skill. It takes practice. It takes work. Uh, Chapman tells us this. He said, it takes two good listeners to make one intimate marriage. So if your wife's a good listener, that's not enough. If you're a good listener, but she's not, that's not enough. It's going to take both of you. They actually tell you this. Stats show that when people get into counseling, most misunderstandings in marriages can be contributed, attributed to a lack of listening. People just aren't listening to each other. In the clip, we saw Archie not listening at all to Edith. I mean, she kept giving him signals. She kept trying to communicate with him. She was trying to tell him how she felt, right? She was longing for something that was missing in their relationship, and he just totally missed it. He wasn't listening. He was in his own little world. So thinking back to this last Saturday, if you were at the men's breakfast, Pastor Michael shared with us about dating our wives. I really appreciated it. He won't let me know which one of the cards was from my wife, and that's okay. Uh, I could guess. Um, but I really appreciated him giving, especially giving us the feedback from wives here at the church and what they wanted, right, what they wanted in a date. And I would say it's not just in a date. A lot of what they said is in life. You could change the word date to life. Here's some of the things I remembered him saying that they said on these little cards. Turn the cell phone off. Leave the phone in the car. Look at me when you're talking to me. Tell me that I look nice. Pay attention to me. Don't take me to glory days with 50 TVs on, right? I mean, I, remember, I appreciated all those things, and on and on. And maybe that sounds reminiscent to your life. Our wives want us, check that, need us to listen to them. They don't need us to give advice or fix their problems. They don't need us to just wait for them to finish talking so we can have our turn. You ever catch yourself in that, like in the middle of while they're talking? You're already, you want to jump in, and you're like, you, you, you stopped at some point because you had something to interject, and honestly, they could have said any number of things, like, hey, honey, let's go, that's the best. You wouldn't even have heard that because you're just so focused on waiting for your turn to talk, and that's not what they need. They actually need us to listen. They need us to care about what's on their minds. If we don't agree with their positions, we can still approve of their positions. I think for men, that's a big thing. We're taught to argue our point, right? If, if you're at work and someone has something that you disagree with, you're supposed to say, that's, you're not right, I'm right, here's why, and you know, give your three points or whatever. And when wives are telling you something 
When your wife is sharing with you something that you don't agree with, the point is not to teach her, to prove her wrong, to help her out, so to speak. The point is just to listen. If we interrupt sharing to to point out a flaw in their thinking or to enlighten them with some bit of knowledge that could better them, then they're going to quit sharing. Some of your wives have already quit sharing because it's just not fun. It's like that friend that, you know, like, you want to be around them. They had, when you're growing up, they had the nice car, but man, it was just brutal hanging out with them because all day long they just, their attitude or they talked about themselves or whatever, and you're just like, I have to weigh the pros and cons here. It's just not worth the effort. And sometimes your wives have said, it's just not worth even sharing anymore because I just feel berated every time I say anything. And you may not even know you're doing it. Your wife wants her thoughts to be heard and validated, not evaluated. I think that's something to remember. Your wife just wants to be validated. She doesn't always need to be evaluated. There might be a time for that, but that's not the goal, not for listening. If your wife says something you disagree with, now, guys, I'm talking about myself, too, because sometimes it's everything inside me wants to go, what are you thinking you ever have that, you know, in your mind just pops up, you're like, why in the world would you think that was a good idea? So instead of saying, what are you thinking, how about saying, interesting thought, tell me more. This, I mean, it's subtle, but it's, it's a chance for her to share. And at some point, you might have your turn to share, but you've let her fully share. And you're going to earn a lot of, and my, I'm, my last name's Brown, so you're going to earn some brownie points if you just let her talk. Let her share. So what else can we do? We need to share. We need to share our thoughts and our feelings. So when I come home from a day that's been nonstop meetings, some days aren't, but some days literally are just nonstop meetings. And you're putting out fires and you're handling issues. And for me, it might be talking about the bank loan. Like, who? it's so exciting, you know, or dealing with architects or construction issues or a line out my door of ministry problems. It's someone else's big thing. It really wasn't my big thing, but now it is, right? I mean, it's just on and on and on, and then I'm just waiting to get home. So what about you? When you, when you have a day like that, when you get home, what do you want to do? You want to rehash it? No, I don't want to talk about it. In fact, I don't want to think about that at all. I want to turn the page. Maybe there's like the new episode of, you know, whatever TV show is your favorite TV show, like, billions or the cross. You just want to unplug your brain a little bit. Or maybe you just want to see your kids, right? Because sometimes kids are easier because there aren't issues. Your wife may be proverbially standing at the door with a bill saying, how are we going to pay for that? Your kids are just standing at the door going, hey, dad, right? And so I just want to turn the page. I just want to move on from it. And then this is where I start making mistakes because when I come home and do that, then it happens. Lisa says, so, hey, honey, how was your day? To which I respond, Fine, long, long, but fine. <laughs> yeah, okay, right? I mean, you ever have that? You still have many words. I kind of feel like I ran out of words, literally. I have no more words. And then she follows up with, with concern. Well, what happened? What made it long? What made it just okay? What did you have to do all day? And then I continue to goof up because I don't want to talk about it. So I just say, I don't know, just long, typical day, lots of meetings, you know, 
no, she doesn't know. How could she know? All I said was long, I don't know, typical. There's nothing for her to know. So she's generally concerned about me. But, guys, and this is something important, I think a distinguishing thing to understand. She's not just concerned about me. It's great to know that your wife loves you. But it's deeper than that. She's concerned about you and how that impacts y'all. She's concerned about this day of yours and how it's going to impact your family. She's got the bigger picture, right, in mind. So I'm trying to protect her from my noise, my whatever, churn, but that's not what she wants at all. She wants to feel like we're a team. Your wife wants to feel like she's a team with you, and it only happens if you include her. And it seems counterintuitive, but it, I promise you it's true. So at this point, if you were to look at your marriage, are, where are you on that scale? You know, are you like high on the scale? Are you low on the scale? Are you thinking... There's probably some work I could do. I'm kind of resonating with some of these things. If so, what do we do? How do we begin? Where do we begin? Number one, just turn off the TV. That's a thing. I mean, some of you probably already have this, and you're like, dude, I've been doing this for 15 years. It's not at all easy for me. So last night, for instance, I don't watch NBA basketball much at all, but I do like the playoffs. Like, it's boring. I think they should raise the goal like a foot because everybody just slam dunks. But in the playoffs, sometimes it gets interesting. And even if I don't have a dog in the fight or a whore, I don't even care about these teams. For whatever reason, I start watching it, and especially if it's a close game with the last two minutes. Right? For me, it's like, oh, man, it's exciting. You know, it's like this team was down 10 points, and now they're up by two, but they're on the road. So they're probably – all these things are – it doesn't really matter, but I'm into it. And that's exactly the time that she wants to ask me some important question, right? It's like at the very last, they're about to kick the field goal for the, you know, and she's like, so what do you think about Parker's college choices? And I'm like, oh my gosh, can we, you know, and so even if you say, can we just wait till the thing's over? And then she goes, well, I'm like, there's only a minute. She's like, "Uh uh-huh. I know how the last minute goes. The last minute takes 30 minutes. And so, and, and again, I've lost. How easy would it be? I have DVR. Who doesn't have a DVR? I will buy you one. I mean, I'll get you one. So here's the thing. Just DVR it. Like, that's not important in your life. She is. And for you just to turn the TV off and and just look right at her and go, man, that's a good question. I wonder what he is thinking. We haven't talked about that. And give her five minutes. It's amazing. Number two, you could, oh, there we go. Ask her about her day first. She's going to ask you about yours. Hey, be the first one. Before you get home, call her up and go, hey, how was your day, honey? Can't wait to get home, and we can talk about it. She's going to be like, what happened to you? You know, but she's going to be excited. She's going to be happy to see you. It will change your reentry. I'm telling you. Affirm her when she speaks. Just remember to affirm her. She's not dumb. She doesn't have, you know, she thinks differently. It's okay. If The more you affirm her, the more you tell her thanks for sharing, the more you just ask her for a little bit more. Mike, Pastor Michael's talking about, you know, using the mirroring technique. If you remember, if you were here on, on Saturday, and he's just saying when she starts, my wife's a kindergarten teacher, and she's like, you're not going to believe what happened. I'm like, she's like, this one kid, he started throwing up, and it was crazy. And I'm like, that was your problem? Like, I, you know, like a kid, but, but I, I can't say that. I have to go, wow, that sounded crazy. Like, and it just let her keep talking because she, her life is important. 
Her, her situation's important. She's important to me. She's important to God. Don't give up if it's awkward. Don't give up. It's going to be awkward if you haven't done it. And it might be some lulls in the conversation. Just be okay with that. Having conversation and sitting there. My, man, my dad and I got really good at it. We would sit, hang out together and have like five to six minutes of no talking. Isn't it weird how sometimes guys can do that? You can just sit there. You can, you know, you're having a conversation and you're doing something, else, but it's like it takes forever. But sometimes with your spouse, you don't give it that space to do that. Be okay with that. Be okay with the lulls. Be okay if it's a little awkward. And, and pray. God has the answers that you need. God has the power to restore broken marriages. He has, the, he has the power to kindle a fire in your marriage. He wants nothing more in your relationship than that. He wants you to pray for your wife. If you just pray for her on your way home, maybe you know, on your commute, just pray for your wife and, and, and just be saying, God, help me to be attentive. Help me to be fully present. Help me to ask questions. Help me to engage. Then he'll do it. It's because you don't want to end up like Archie and Edith. At least I don't want to. Can we pray? Thanks, God, for marriage, and thanks for the relationship that you give us with our wives and for the awesome responsibility we have to lead them, to lead our families, to love. Help us to love well. Help us to care, to deeply, truly, and sincerely care. And God, I pray for any of us who are just lacking in that, that we would that we would grow in our love and our affection and our care for our spouses. That we would want to know what's making their minds go, what's making them tick, and that we would begin to uh, engage intellectually at a higher level. Thanks, God, that we can talk about subjects like this that we probably wouldn't. We might just go years without even thinking about. So thank you for the opportunity to discuss this. And we put our marriages in your hands. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.